Snake Podcast. Uh, this is episode three. I'm your host Peter, and I'm joined uh, by my ho- our host Enric. Uh, Enric, how are you? I'm pretty good. How about you, Peter? Good, good, good. Uh, I am excited to talk about Brazilian football as always, as we do on the Smoking Snake Podcast. Uh, this week we're going to cover Match Week 24 in the Brasileirão, uh, and then we're also going to touch on the big clash in the. Libertadores semifinal, Atletico versus Palmeiras. Uh, as we record this, in about an hour from now, the the um, the other fixture, Flamengo versus Velez, is gonna is gonna kick off. And if you want to learn more about uh, Velez Sarsfield, the Argentinian uh, team, um, we uh, released an episode yesterday uh, where we interviewed Juan from Velez in English. And so if you want to learn more about Velez, definitely check that out. Um, but for now, we're going to start off in the Brasileirão. Humongous, humongous game. Uh, kind of the headline fixture of the weekend, Fluminense versus Palmeiras. They went into the match day. Uh, Flu, Flu was number two and Palmeiras was in first place. Um Enric, what did you think of this game? How excited were you to see see what these two teams could could do against each other and, and in hopes of someone giving Palmeiras like a good race for the title. What an amazing uh, game to watch. Fluminense coming up against Palmeiras. Uh, obviously, it was a 1-1 draw, but I think at the end, Palmeiras was pretty happy to get the point and still managed to keep that uh, plus seven point gap uh, from Flamengo and plus eight from Fluminense. It was a really great start with both teams attacking and Roni's incredible incredible uh, overhead kick, which was, in my opinion, a possible Puskas award goal. And Fluminense also threatened with crosses from the right wing. Uh, soon uh, the goal came from a header and both teams were playing playing really well for that winning goal. Yeah, definitely. And um, let's let's go back to that uh, Roni, uh, or excuse me, Roni's, um, uh opening goal uh in- incredible uh dudu with a good assist but um unbelievable overhead kick uh that was that was absolute insanity and yeah that that's definitely a puskas uh contender um yeah not not much not much else to say except for i also noticed i don't know if you saw this but he also celebrated with like a handspring to to backflip which was pretty cool just because i mean he's quite i didn't really know how uh how athletic that guy is but uh mm-hmm. but yeah roni opening it up i think in like the eighth minute um but uh like you said fluminense tied it up manuel the defender um scores from a corner john arias as usual is involved he was the one who um took the corner manuel uh headed it in and actually, uh, probably about 10 minutes prior, he blocked a really good chance on Roni again, um, which was pretty impressive. I thought he looked pretty good. 
uh, during that game. Um, especially, what do you think of the second half? I mean, like you said, both teams gunning for victory. Um, you'd think Braga, and I think at some point, Abel Braga was content with just the draw. His team's definitely in the driver's seat, but uh, Fluminense was definitely pushing. I thought they were the better team uh, in both halves, kind of like uh, the match versus um, Flamengo last year, or excuse me, last week. Um, yeah, what did you think of the second half when they were both really going at it? Yeah, Fluminense was really trying to get the win, and I remember it was a counter 3v1 and a really good chance to score their second goal, and Scarpa came back from attack all the way to defense and save Palmeiras. Herman Cano, as you mentioned last week, uh, had a very unbelievable game. He got a crossbar, which I think he should have scored because he was alone, and yeah. he had more time to think about the shot. Arias from Fluminense had an unlucky post that bounced off Gonzalo's body. And I think at the end, Palmeiras was very happy to get the plus one point in Maracanã. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, Fluminense coming so, so close, but they just couldn't get the ball over the line. Um, like you said, yeah, that Cano, um, Herman Cano really should have scored. Um, he had a couple other chances and, and, and John Arias, like you mentioned, also in the mix of it. Um, so Paul Maris still in first place, still with a wide margin, uh, but closing in at least marginally, <laughs> uh, our Flamengo who got the win, uh, this weekend in the Clasico Carioca, uh, the Rio Derby, uh, just the one goal in it, um, but uh, the goal coming from Arturo Vidal. Enric, what do you think of this match? Um, and what do you think of Flamengo and their chances of catching up to Palmeiras? I think it was a good result for Flamengo. Obviously, the only goal that they scored gave them the three points, which is all they needed this time. And I think only being seven points behind Palmeiras, they've got a chance of 14 more weeks for the Brazilian route to end and maybe manage to win the title. Uh, they scored the goal in the second half with Vidal's header, who is not a really tall player and was still able to put the ball in the back of the net. It was a very great assist by, uh, by Pedro, uh, who is a really good dribbler as well. And I think Botafogo definitely woke up uh, as they conceded, but could never finish past Santos, who is the Flamengo goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, he's he's looked great over the past couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you brought up going into the the goal. Uh, I thought Botafogo had a much better opening half. Um, Jafinho and and Junior Santos had had some chances, um, especially in the, in the first. Um, I think it was like 20 minutes. Um, but but the Flamengo goal. Um, Totally changed the game. Flamengo looked a different team after that, um, even though Botafogo, I think, uh, again, continue to have chances. Um, like you said, great assist from Pedro. He he kind of just, um, I think he headed the uh, Mateo Zinho's cross um, to Vidal. Uh, and I, I believe that was his first touch of the game. So uh, he comes on, he makes a difference uh, as he usually does. Um, and then he had that chance right after where um, he just put it over the bar, I believe. Um, so unfortunate for him. 
he looks a good player um, and he's in great form, hoping to get compete for that, that striker slot um, in the world cup squad. Uh, Botafogo though, thought they played well, um, but a, a few personnel questions I had, I don't know if you have any opinions on this, but firstly, Patricky de Paula, um, I think their most expensive signing um, this, this window uh, has not been really playing for Botafogo. Um, you know, he's uh, high potential central mid, um, who obviously the coach is thinking that he's not working with the team or he's just in bad form. Do you think that they should kind of force him to play in, in hopes that he can, he can boost their, their, their results? Because they've been okay, but they're kind of slipping down the table now. I think if they force him to play, that's going to affect the player mentally because that's enough. That's something that you never want to have uh, in a player where you physically put them in the field and tell him what to do. So I'm not sure what Botafogo has to do with him. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a mystery. I'm not sure why it's not working out. He's, he's definitely a good player. He was great at Palmeiras, and I thought he was going to be a home run at Botafogo, but... Uh, we'll have to keep uh, tabs on on his playing time, and you know if indeed he gets to see the pitch anytime soon. Um, also, wanted to highlight um, uh, the a departure move from Botafogo, one that raised my eyebrows and raised a lot of uh, Botafogo fans' eyebrows as well. Um, Arison is off to Portugal. Uh, he was their leading scorer, and actually, I think he was averaging like half a goal a game. He had, I think he had 15 goals and, and 30 matches, something like that. Um, for me, I'm not sure about that move. He was a consistent player who was scoring goals. And, you know, I, I, I know they have the kid Mateos, um, who is, who's a great player and a great talent, but um, you know, if, if they're going to be, a, a strong team and domestically I think they should have kept him what, what do you think yeah I agree with you I think uh having him alongside other players who have benefited the team as we saw in the match against Flamengo uh all the forwards including Jefferson Lucas Fernandez and Victor Sa tried to attack as many times as possible but they could never find that finishing touch which Arison could have helped them with Yeah, definitely. So a bit of a confusing move uh, for me. I guess they have other forwards they want to get time and they want to develop Mateos. But like you said, they were they were um, they were missing his finishing touch. Um, all right. So Flamengo have the bragging rights in Rio. We'll move to another derby this time uh, in Belo Horizonte, America versus Atletico Monero. And poor, poor Gallo, they can't seem to get a result going their way, no matter how well they play. They played great last week. They played pretty well this week, I would say, but they keep stuttering. They're now dropped into seventh. And, and remember, these are the champions. Um, what did you see in this game? And um, any thoughts on what Atletico Monero can do going forward? 
Yeah, I think um, Atletico Mineiro tried really hard in the first half, but in the second one, it seemed like they lost interest. And I'm not sure if the coach needs to motivate the team in order to get this uh, to get them out of the situation. But I think Hulk uh, had a really good performance. He had an amazing and powerful free kick, uh, which went low and next to the wall and made uh, gave him the first goal, which was too fast for the keeper to react in order to save. Yeah, he was looking really good. I think he was definitely uh, the, the man of the match. Um, he was all over the place, creating chances, getting shots on, on net. And yeah, that goal, I mean, you can see why they call him Hulk. That was an extremely powerful shot. Just skimming, skimming the grass. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it was, it was really well placed. Really impressive. Um, Henrique Almeida for America ended up equalizing. Um, great little play uh, to, get, to get the ball through midfield. Um, and just this just faint little touch from Juninho. I actually thought it was a, it was a dummy at first. And Henrique Almeida, uh, another goal for him. He's one of the league's top scorers. Um, he just continues to, to roll along. Also could have had another one um, uh, in the match. Uh, he took a penalty that was saved by Everson, the, the Gallo goalkeeper. Uh, did you see the, the handball that led to the penalty? What do you think of that? Um, and, uh, and what do you think of the, the stop from Everson? Yeah, I think the handball was a little harsh because he didn't have his arm raised uh, above his head like we see in Europe mm. where, where VAR doesn't really give penalties if the hand is not raised a lot. But I think it still stopped or prevented the ball from going into another direction and it was definitely a penalty. And America had a really good chance to make it to one but Everson made a really good save. Again, a great uh, free kick from Hulk we saw later in the game and went straight to the hands of Cavicioli. So it was a very interesting first half and a lot of chances for both teams. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But again, this is this kind of side, not to take anything away from America, but this is the side that last year, Atletico Monero would have swept aside um, with ease. This year, just things aren't going well for them. Um, it just looks like bad luck and, and un unfortunately just kind of the, the champion's curse. Um, also wanted to shout out one of my favorite players, Matias Aracho, again this week, uh, a blast from way outside the box, another great chance. And of course he hits the, the crossbar. Um, he can't seem to buy a goal right now. He had that outrageous overhead kick again last week that just missed. Um, so uh, Zaracho is really, really, uh, you know, he's playing well, but he's, he just can't, he can't finish right now. So uh, unlucky for him um, and unlucky for Atletico Monero. Um, also, I just wanted to, uh, to point out uh, that America, not only did they have the penalty, they had another good chance in the, in the waning moments of the game. Uh, Mariano, uh, again, like last week, 
with a big time error that leads leads to a, a point blank chance for um, Athletic, or excuse me, America. Luckily, Everson bails them out once again, and really those uh, um, that that one point that uh, Agallo earned is is really on the shoulders of Everson. So uh, unlucky, but uh, but it is what it is. Um, yeah. I- I agree. I think Everson was very crucial for Mineiro in the second half because without him, definitely they could have not taken the point which they need at the moment. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I, I think Enric and I are also uh, were bound by our fandom to Santos that we should point out that uh, Everson uh, played a few years in Santos, um, uh, benefiting from the goalkeeping uh, coach Arzul. Um, so we just want to note that right there. <laughs> um, elsewhere in the Brasi that are out, big derby in, um, not, not the big derby in, in, in Rio Grande do Sul, uh, but a derby, Inter beating Juventuji uh, quite easily 4-0. Um, Fortaleza dropping points, or excuse me, Sao Paulo dropping points to Fortaleza. Um, and then a um, Sao Paulo cra- clash ends in uh, Corinthians beating Red Bull Bragantino uh, 1-0. Enric, any thoughts on any of those games um, or any other topics you want to touch in in, uh, in the Brasilia Rao? Yeah, for the Corinthians game, uh, it was a great result for them. Obviously, they got uh, three points, but I was expecting more from uh, Bragantino. I thought that maybe they would have a chance to score at least one and it would be more of a 2-1 uh, win for Corinthians. So I was a little surprised that there was only a goal scored in that match. Yeah, definitely. Again, uh, Corinthians, I thought, were going to be a title contender. They uh, haven't really uh, shown us anything recently that would make us believe that they're capable of that now. Um, but, uh, but you'd expect uh, a team like Red Bull Bragancino to, uh, to be in the mix and they were, um, but they just couldn't get that goal across the line. Um, elsewhere, uh, Santos drew nil nil with Cuiaba, pretty disappointing. Uh, not a lot going on in that match. Um, Enric, just briefly, any thoughts on that? And, uh, and any thoughts on, on Santos or Cuiaba? Uh, it's the Santos that we keep seeing almost every week where they win a game and then they tie and lose a match. So I'm actually surprised how before the game uh, on the YouTube channel, they always release the players. It's called Bastidores, where everybody's typed up and trying to get the three points and then get these devastating results, which don't help the team in any way no they certainly don't and especially against a side like Cuiaba um you'd think that that Santos to 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 get to where they want to be they have to beat sides like that and um it was just a lackluster performance unfortunately um again the offensive side of things letting letting Santos down so uh, just the one point for both sides there. Um, let's shift gears 
and let's talk about a the absolute you know gigantic fixture in Libertadores two Brazilian sides going head to head Atletico Paranaense versus Palmeiras um I think most people would say Atletico are the underdogs Palmeiras of course defending champions uh they are in pole position in the league um, so I think it's fair to say that most people were expecting uh, Palmeiras to, uh, you know, at least, uh, be, you know, earn themselves a draw or, or be in a good position. But they're, they're after one leg um, down 1-0. And not only that, but they played a, a substantial portion of the game um, up a man. Um, Enric, what do you, you think about this fixture going into it? And uh, how did you see the game shake out? Both teams started pressuring each other uh, with great chances. Gustavo Gomez from Palmeiras almost scored an own goal in the beginning of the match. But uh, in the other side, Victor Rocchi really was dangerous in attack. And Atletico really wanted a second goal after they scored the first one. And, and also Hugo Mora had a pointless handball, as you mentioned, for the red card. And he's going to miss the next game. And the same goes for Scolari, who definitely is going to be a disadvantage for the team. And overall, I think Palmeiras lost uh, focus and no longer had that was that threat team that we see normally in Brasileiro. Yeah, yeah, I think you're pretty spot on. And I, I, let's let's definitely pause on that um, Scolari getting getting sent off as well. Big Phil. It's not going to be in command um, for the the next leg, although I'm sure he'll be he'll be pulling the strings, excuse me, pulling the strings via cell phone or or other some other way. Um, but yeah, he gets sent off. Um, uh, one of Palmeiras' new signings, a kid that we've um, heard a lot about and who I hadn't really seen that much of, uh, really talented. Um, but Jose Manuel Lopez uh, started the game off, I think, within the first 10 minutes with a um, crazy good chance. Hugo Mora, who would eventually be sent off, um, coughed up the ball and um, uh, Lopez hit it first time. And, and the, the shot was kind of a curling effort that went around the net. Um, I thought um, that would have been an ideal start from Palmeiras especially the way they're playing domestically. I thought that they um, just things have been going their way. And I thought that might've been, that might've been it. Um, but, but no dice for Lopez. Um, and uh, um, like you said, the, the Gustavo Gomez almost causing the own goal uh, again, Hugo Mora involved. He was the one who, who tried to cross it and deflect it off Gomez um, the uh, goaltender, Weverton, again, making a great save. Um, so really impressive uh, from him. Um, and then not long after that, um, the, uh, the goal was scored. Alex Santana um, was able to put the ball in the net. But for me, I thought Victor Roque was sensational and crucial in this goal. His touch from bringing the ball down, getting uh, getting into control, and then 
you know, squeezing off the shot that would have been deflected. I thought that was sensational. Um, he's such a talent. Um, and you're, you're totally right to point out how great he was. Uh, his, his shot, unfortunately, was deflected, but deflected right to Santana. And he slotted it into the net. Um, but, uh, but things weren't all rosy after that for uh, Atletico. Like you mentioned, Hugo Mora, a disastrous uh, red card. Um, it was actually his second yellow of the game. Um, he was stumbling. He fell. And then for some reason, he decided to swat the ball away uh, with his hand. Uh, what were you thinking when you saw that, Enric? Were you like, I, the only explanation I think there could be is that he thought it was a dead ball, but I don't know. It happened pretty fast. What do you, what do you think? Yeah. I don't know if it was a dead ball or he, uh, some many times we see from the players where they were are dropped to the ground and they immediately get the ball so that the ref can give him a foul. So maybe he thought he was outside the box where he touched that, but it was a very pointless second yellow card for him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think everyone was pretty stunned that uh, that, that happened. Um, uh, after that, Palmeiras, of course, had some additional chances, as did Atletico. Uh, they had at least one chance. Um, but the Atletico goalkeeper, Bento, made a couple, couple key saves. Um, and he's really stepped up and filled um, Santos's boots who, of course, moved to Flamengo, as Enric mentioned earlier. Um, uh, he, he looks to be a good keeper, pretty young, I believe, as well. So um, he's one to watch, especially as, uh, as Atletico progress in, in Libertadores. They, of course, won uh, Sudamericana last, last year. Enric, what do you think their chances are of getting through? Obviously, they have to face Palmeiras on the road, but they put themselves in a good position. Um, what do you think the chances are of they them getting through? Uh, having scored just one goal, anything can happen. But as we saw after uh, Hugo Mora got a red card, the, uh, the manager replaced almost every player besides the defenders. So they were trying to hold on to that 1-0 uh, defeat against Palmeiras. And coming up in the next week or two when they play the second leg match, I think it's going to be a completely different match because Palmeiras is going to have the chance to play on their stadium. So who knows, maybe they'll be able to score two, three goals, but you never know what Atletico Paranaense is going to provide because they might play with 10 or 11 players defending the whole match and be a difficult side. Kind of what we saw in the Champions League match between Bayern and Chelsea in 2012. Yeah, I think that would be really interesting, especially given Abel Braga. That's kind of his MO, um, you know, being more on the defensive side um, of things, kind of uh, taking the life out of the game, squeezing out these, uh, these victories uh, in, in kind of a stereotypical uh, Mourinho light. So it'll be interesting seeing Abel Braga being forced to be on the, on the front foot uh, and like you said, anything could happen. There's only one goal, one goal in it so far. Um, let's just touch briefly on, on Vitor Roque as well. Um, again, explosive teenager exploding onto the, the scene. 
Um, how do you think his his trajectory is going to go from here? He's already made a splash in the Bertadores. I'm sure there are big European clubs sniffing around. I think um, he's got a little bit more time before he, he turns uh, uh, 18 um, and he can't leave Brazil before then. Um, how do you see his future going? Yeah, Victor Roque is really good uh, and dangerous when it comes to attacking. He's a young player who definitely, in my opinion, should stay for at least one or two more years uh, in Brazil. And after that, he's going to make a move to Europe. But I just hope that he doesn't make the same mistake that Caio uh, Jorge made to Juventus uh, last year from Santos. So I, I really hope uh, Victor Roque stays in Brazil for a bit longer and maybe thinks about his future. Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, Brazilian football, of course, has no shortage of um, extremely high potential uh, teenagers and, and young players. Um, but even among those, those players, um, uh, Victor Roque looks to be uh, extremely special. So uh, selfishly, since I'm a fan of the Brasileiro, of course, I want him to stay. But also, like you mentioned, Kyle George, I think went a little early, was a little cocky. Um, and, uh, you know, he hasn't seen much time and he's had some injury problems, but not much time for Juventus. Um, and I think he went, uh, he went just a little bit too early. I think these players benefit from playing against men in the Brazilian leagues for a little bit longer, um, as, as they develop. And as have we seen with, uh, with players like Neymar, um, so let's, let's hope, uh, Victor Roque stays around. Um, like I said, uh, Flamengo and Velez in the other Libertadores fixture are playing very, very soon as we record this. Um, that's going to be a great clash. Um, and again, check out the episode that we dropped yesterday, um, episode two, featuring Velez in English. Okay, moving abroad, um, we're going to just briefly touch on couple of, of topics, both uh, on players uh, and how they're playing, but also some transfers um, and some transfer talk. Uh, first and foremost, we have to touch upon it. Uh, Liverpool absolutely destroying Bournemouth, nine, nothing. Um, and the reason we can't ignore this is Roberto Firmino, uh, two goals, three assists, um, close to perfect day out for him. Um, and, you know, if he keeps playing like this, not saying he will, um, but there are going to be some people wondering if, if he's going to earn himself a, a place in the World Cup squad, um, despite his uh, positional tendencies. Um, what do you think? Uh, Firmino, um, well, first of all, do you think, one, that he should be in the squad given his, his position and his preferences? And two, if you think that Chichi may call him, uh, you know, how good does he have to be uh, to, to get called? Um, the, the coach made a really good decision by putting Firmino in attack because mm -hmm. it boosted his confidence. Obviously, last season, he didn't really play a lot as they had Mane and Salah. 
and Luis Diaz coming from the transfer. But uh, Liverpool uh, coming from a 2-1 defeat from Manchester United was really motivated to score and win. And they had really great attacks coming from the right-hand side. And I don't think Firmino looked really sharp despite scoring two. He was profiting mostly from the opposition's mistakes. And Gabriel Jesus and Richarlison are still ahead of him in the World Cup unless uh, Firmino keeps his consistency. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, absolutely. I don't want to see Firmino, unfortunately, in, in the, uh, the Canary um, shirts. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and I would even say that a player like Pedro of uh, uh, Flamengo would be a much better option. Firmino, for me, plays more of a on the borderline of um, second striker and, and attacking midfield or almost like a false nine. Um, and that middle space is already clogged. You've got Neymar, you've got uh, Vinicius, whoever the, the right winger is going to be, um, all kind of tending to, to uh, use that central channel. Um, and uh, especially if, if a player like Coutinho also is playing, um, uh, I, I don't think we, you know, Brazil really needs a player like that, but I, I hope the best for him. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that he, uh, is scoring goals because I believe uh, he's he looks like a nice guy and uh, who who wouldn't love that that big that big smile of his um, so Roberto Firmino for me not in the Salasau and it doesn't sound like he is for you um, also just really quickly I was uh, able I caught the whole um, Juve and Roma match and I wanted to just touch upon uh, two Brazilian defenders featuring in in that match. Bremer and Ibanez. Um, the match ended 1-1. Um, and I thought that uh, I was excited. I hadn't really seen a lot of Ibanez. He's actually scored, I think, um, either today or yesterday for Roma in their in their mid midweek uh, match day. Um, but uh, I was excited to see him. But for me, Bremer really sh- uh, stole the show. I think he uh, is an incredible talent. He's young, and I think he's got a future in the national team. Um, Enric, do you know much about him and, and what his potential uh, could be? Yeah, I saw a bunch of his games last season. He was really, really good for Torino as center back. And I think Inter wanted to buy him earlier in the beginning of the transfer window. And Juventus just kind of snatched the player from Inter and managed to sign him. And... I think he didn't have a really good match when he played a friendly against Barcelona earlier in the month. But overall, he's had an impressive last season, as I mentioned, and I think he can do really good for Juventus. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he looks great, and he marshaled uh, Tammy Abraham really well in the match versus versus Roma. Um, And I'd be curious to see Ibanez's um, projection, especially now under Mourinho, um, he's uh, uh, Roma for me is a team on the rise, and uh, I'm a bit of a Mourinho stand, so perhaps I'm biased, but I think uh, he's gonna he's gonna be a lot more notable um, as things and uh, as the season progresses. Um, all right, so let's close on some done deals. 
And then one rumor that uh, I'm excited about, um, and I'll tell you why later, but let's talk, let's talk uh, Lucas Pacata um, completes the move from uh, Olympic Lyonnais in France to West Ham in, uh, in England. Uh, any thoughts on, on Pacata? It was a kind of surprising move from him moving from Lyon. I was expecting him to go in a bigger club, but as the Lyon president mentioned, they didn't receive many offers from him. And I think with uh, West Ham, he he's going to do really good. He's going to be partnered at with uh, Declan Rice, who is a really good defender as well. I mean, midfielder. So both of them together can be a potential harm for the opposition. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna. He's. I think he's gonna do really well in the Premier League, and and we've seen. I mean, a bunch of Brazilians move to the Prem and uh, and and start doing really well. Um, I think he's a player that a lot of people mainly know him from um, from the national team, and they may not know that much about him um, on a club level. I agree. He's. I think he's gonna do great. I think he's a really good player, and I think. Weirdly, this sounds weird saying it just because they paid, you know, 50, 60 million euros for him. Uh, but I think he's underrated. I think he's 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 got a lot of technical ability um, and he's been great for Lyon. Um, it didn't work out at AC Milan, but he was also great for Flamengo. Um, so I think it's going to be a good move. Um, it's a little weird seeing him in, in a West Ham kit, but uh but yeah, hopefully he can he can put in a year or two there and and be on to um, a club where he'll he'll have a better chance to win some trophies. Um, speaking of uh, you know maybe less than optimal chances to win trophies, uh, Manchester United uh, picking up a really talented Brazilian. It's official now. Um, and they spent a lot of money on him. What are your thoughts? What are your feelings on Anthony as a player and uh, how he's going to do at United, especially uh, as it looks like he's going to be competing for a spot against, um, you know, the uh, a former golden boy of England, uh, Jaden Sancho. Yeah, Anthony is a really good player. We talked about him last week, how good of a dribbler he is with the ball and attacking on that right wing spot. And I think for Manchester United, he is going to be a really good option to have at right wing because uh, in the last match against Southampton, they played Elanga at that position. So Anthony is definitely going to be a better option for them. And Jaden Sancho also, he's a good player, but the coaches don't really prefer to start with him in a team. And we saw that with England as well. And I think Anthony's also going to do good for Brazil, uh, be a substitute or maybe a starter in front of Rafinha. Yeah, that'd be that'd be great to see. Um, I'm a little bit biased, but I'd love to see a, a big Brazilian star at United um, just scoring goals. Um, for me right now, of course, Jaden Sancho, I, I'd like to see him, you know, push down the pecking order, especially for a player like Anthony. Um, Ten Hag, obviously really really liked what he's what he what he did at Ajax um and he he's brought him now to United um interesting you bring up the Salasau so um you think he's he's destined to to go to Qatar 
yes, he's going to be a very good player, in my opinion. Played a major part in the Olympics last year when Brazil won it. So I think if, if Tite doesn't take him as a player, then Brazil is going to suffer in those right-hand side areas in attack. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it's it's just I mean, it's a great problem to have, but there's so many talented wingers that Brazil has produced, like you said, Rafinha. Um, and then we we can't forget about our boy Rodrigo. So um Gigi is gonna have a lot to think about. Um, but uh however he lines up and ends up picking, um, I think he's gonna have talented players and it very well could be Anthony. Um, all right. Finally, let's let's just briefly touch on um, uh, a Palmeiras player, Danilo, uh, linked to Arsenal today. Um, it is deadline day in Europe, um, and it doesn't seem like this deal is going in this transfer window, uh, but it could be a January move. Um, Danilo, defensive midfielder for Palmeiras, um, and he would slot in and uh, replace. Uh, or not, maybe not replace, but back up Xhaka, um, Mohamed Al-Nani, um, and uh, could be another Brazilian in a long list, it seems, this summer uh, on their way to the Prem. Uh, any thoughts on him and any thoughts on just kind of the overall procession of Brazilians to the Premier League? Yes, Danilo is a could be a really good signing for Arsenal. He is a great midfielder who can stop any counter and get the ball moving forward. He has great vision for passes and also his technical dribbling is hard to predict for many of the opponents that he's going to come across in the prime. Yeah, I love that you brought up his dribbling because that's one of the, I think that's a quality that, um, that not a lot of uh, defensive midfielders have. And I think that uh, he he's he's definitely got that technical ability. Um, it's kind of stereotypical of a Brazilian to have that, but uh, you know I think he he's definitely a cut above. Um, also, I want to just let everyone know that um, if you are a, a fan of a team in Brazil that uh, is a rival to Palmeiras, say Santos, um, Palmeiras's record without Danilo or Danilo um, is drastically worse um he's been a key component to their team um and uh they they are all, something like 25 percent less likely to to win uh when he's not in the lineup so if he does move on over to england it could be good news for the uh for all brazilian teams but especially um the the sao paulo rivals so um just something to, something to think about uh, as as we keep an eye on Danilo and, and his potential move to England. All right, so that is um, all that we have time for today. Um, thanks so much, everyone, uh, for listening. This is, again, the Smoking Snake Podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, talking more about uh, Brazilian football and Brazilian players playing abroad. But for now, uh, have a great night, everyone. Bye.